quick programming note, we recorded this episode before the Super Bowl when we got new footage of season two. So if you want to hear us talk about that, we have a whole bonus episode about that in the feed. Here we go. Wake up, Kelly. Do you remember? Howdy do, buckaroos. Hello and welcome to Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. This is the Westworld show. We are in our rewatch season right now as we spin our wheels anxiously anticipating season two. I'm your host, Kelly Gamont. With me as always is Don Melton. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. <laughs> So we would very much like to thank the incomparable for uh, hosting this uh, bunch of nerdery on their network. Um, it's so much fun. I can't believe we actually get to do this, whether people can hear it. Um, what's really the thing that's really entertaining about this is that what you guys don't know is that Don and I basically do like a whole nother podcast that isn't recorded <laughs> as we talk about all this stuff before we hit record. And shouldn't ever be recorded. <laughs> oh, no, no, I didn't say it should be. Where, yeah. But yeah, there's like a whole episode that happens before we hit record on the episode that you actually get. And uh, so this week, uh, the question that I had was something that happened at the end of the first episode. And the question I asked was if anybody had any theories about uh, why the maze is on the top of Kissy's head, is in his scalp. Because that scalp was removed at the end of episode one by the end of episode one, yeah. So my theory about this is that uh, it's a print, it's a circuit board. That the top of his head is a circuit board, and that this may be. I think that maybe it's one of one of the antennae that are part of the uh, old GPS system that we see much later in the season. The bicameral communication. Yeah. System. The one where Bernard says like, you know, because only some hosts have it, da, 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 da. And he has to go down to the same sub level where all the decommissioned hosts are hanging out and, and like dust off a computer. No, no, no. He goes down to sub level 82, not 83. Uh, oh, okay. So I watched this. I watched that episode the other night again. Uh, I had forgotten that it was 82 and 83. But anyway, he goes down to a to a, a very deep sub-level and has to dust off a bunch of stuff and sort of warm up the machine and, you know, to get, like, the machine going so that he can track these other hosts. And I think that this is an antenna that it talks to that system. So I think that Dolores probably has that under her hair as well. Uh, but I'm betting the newer hosts do not. Uh, I think Maeve probably has it, too, because she broke, too, and so does Abernathy. Abernathy Prime. Yeah, Abernathy Prime, because they were all original hosts along with Angela and Teddy mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, everybody that you see in uh, episode eight in the dance scene, you know? Yes, because we do see some of those people. Hosts. Yes. Yeah. And so... Um, my theory is that it's the bicameral uh, broadcasting system and it was put there because this just is, Ber um, I almost said Bernard, <laughs> this is just Arnold and Ford's sense of humor. Right. Right. You know, this, this shows that they're, they're whimsical. Right. The shape of it, it has, the shape of it isn't the part I'm interested in. It's the part, it's specifically like, why is it there? And I think it's there because it's an antenna. And I think this is Arnold 
who made it. Well, if we need a printed circuit board, it's going to be the maze. Right. I think that's what happened. Yeah. And on Twitter, when I when I asked about this earlier, uh, Twitter user whose current name of his user, even though his his handle is uh, at Toxic Path, uh, his current title is So Might of the Devil's Backbone. <laughs> uh, I don't even get that joke. But anyway, he said it's probably an Easter egg for the guests. Because they would have to go through the story to find it. Because I asked it. We went back and mm-hmm. forth a couple of uh, times, Toxic Path and I. Uh, and uh, I said, you know, is, so is it for the host, the guests, the, you know, the the crew backstage? And he said, probably the guests. And I, I agree with, uh, I with, I with him. Now, um, uh, Boris Yurkovic, his contention is that it's an example of poor writing. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> That they never explain, but but I don't think it is because I think it's going to get explained. It just isn't yet. Yes, but he is right about the fact that the maze itself is a metaphor, and I countered with, you know, the whole thing is we don't know it's poor writing yet because you know the show isn't over. We go like five seasons and they never explain it. Then uh, yeah, yeah. Then then at that point we'll have a different uh, conversation to be sure. Yeah, we'll have a different, uh, different. We'll we'll be crying a lot because the show's over. That's that's what's going <laughs> that on. That too. Uh, and then uh, uh, Skipper L, that's his handle. That's Elliot uh, Noel on Twitter. Uh, made a really good joke because he was, his contention is that uh, we were going back and forth that the park isn't on Earth. Yeah. Because uh, I forget who said this. It might have been Elsie or someone else. It's hard getting a signal out mm-hmm. there. Now, I don't agree with him. You know, I think the park is somewhere on Earth. It's just not in the American Southwest. It's like some island out in the middle of the Pacific or the Atlantic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the Indian Ocean. Who, who the hell knows where? Uh, but uh, he's one of the extra uh, terrestrial uh, believers, right? So, so there are a lot of theories uh, about that kind of thing. And I want to say, Kelly, opening up this episode, episode two, Chestnut, with a whole idea of talking about theories is so appropriate <laughs> because it was episode two that the theory machine went batshit oh, on man on Reddit, and we'll get to that. But before, but I want to use that as a transition. We'll get to that, but we should talk about the news first. Yes. So there's some news. Uh, a little news. One piece of news is that we may, uh, you know, I said last episode about uh, Jeffrey Wright, uh, who's Bernard and Arnold Bernardle. Uh, slipping that the show would be out in April. Uh, this was after um, Evan Rachel Wood said uh, last year sometime that the show would be out in the spring. He specifically said April, and then I think he deleted that Instagram because somebody whacked him upside the head for that. <laughs> but there's a good chance that... It's entirely possible. There's a good, enti- uh, entirely possible that it not only will be coming out in April second season... Uh, Westworld holdouts here. It may be sooner in April than we think because if they're going to try to qualify for getting stiffed at this year's Emmys, like they got stiffed in last year's Emmys, then the deadline for that is like sometime in May. But it's really important. You have to get it. You have to get over half your episodes out for whatever show you're before the before the deadline. 
And so that would yeah. back it up at least until like around mid-April. It would be early April yeah, because early April. it's like the middle of May. So if you need five Sundays yeah. in that amount of time, then you need a little bit more than a month. So you'd have to start in April in order to have the bulk of it out before the deadline. So we're talking... So we're, we're saying like two and a half months, folks. Two and a half mm-hmm. months. Not too many days you can notch those into your flesh. And it's not going to be a lot of work. And mark them off. So exactly. we'll see. Uh, and exactly. Because if not... I. Yeah, because if not, yeah, because if not, we may see Game of Thrones final season before Westworld. I I have no idea. And that doesn't seem right to me at all. Like, I don't know. I feel like Game of Thrones needs to be its own sort of separate, unrelated entity because, like, it's going to need a send off. And I just don't know if I can handle both of those shows at the same time. Oh, God. Yeah. But but the rumor is on them that they're going to be spring... 2019 now so so who knows but yeah but this isn't the game of thrones show so the other piece of news is the <laughs> is the game that may not be real take it away kelly so you you can explain <laughs> this one we spent and you you should tell them about the task you said for me yesterday research <laughs> we spent a good hour and a half talking about this on iMessage yesterday and when i say talking i mean texting yes. about it back and forth but but it was important. We were, It was serious podcast business. So Don sends me a link and he said, well, this kind of looks interesting. And it looks like it might be some sort of Westworld mobile game. So iOS, Android. Uh, somebody talked about like having played it on Android. So it's on Reddit. And it's this account that's like, I've played this and it's kind of fun and check it out. And then someone else said, like, I don't get what's going on. And then someone else looked at the account and was like, yeah, like you've only had about a dozen posts and all of them are like, hey, it's neat. You should play this game. So thanks for the advertisement marketer. And yeah, <laughs> and it got weird. So we went looking for it. And then somebody said that there had been an announcement like... Uh, I think Gizmodo had a post that was like, yeah, like we know there's an announcement or something. And there's like one screenshot and we looked at it and I was like, this isn't the game I want out of Westworld. Like I absolutely want to play a Westworld game, but it's not this game. And it's more than poke around the website and find the secret messages because that's fun, but that's not the game I want. The game I want just to throw it back, because we've—I think I've made this this uh, uh, comparison before. I want an alt, what they call an alternate reality game, like they did between a couple of the seasons of Lost, where you get some phone calls. There's like a voicemail situation. You get a couple mysterious emails that have some code in them. It's not just you know Farmville set in Sweetwater. Like, I don't want that. And that's not who the people are that are into this. Well put. We do not want farm, uh, farm villain Sweetwater. We, we will kill if that's what it is. <laughs> I really don't. And I don't think people who enjoy Westworld are those people either. Like, I don't think I'm the only person who's like, I absolutely want more to do with Westworld, but I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be this. So, because you never know. Because that cheapens it, right? Right. Well, partly that and partly like, 
that world is not what I want out of it. And so like the next season of Lost starts up and part of what they were doing with the ARG is they were doing some world building with the Dharma Initiative and all of that. So Dharma Initiative shows up on the show and like my cousin and I totally have a handle on like who they are and what's their deal and what was it they were trying to do and what's the deal with uh, you know, the Institute and the foundation and all these people and why are there stations? So like we've learned all this stuff. And Westworld has a Dharma initiative built right in for God's sakes. I know. (laughs) Part of why I love this show is because it's that same sort of world. It's super dense and I could spend the next year getting weird phone calls and interesting emails and bizarre text messages with little videos attached and all kinds of stuff that you couldn't do then because like there barely were smartphones when lost first started airing like this is just this is kelly wishing and i sort of sold don on this yesterday because i told him about the one from lost and he went oh my god that's awesome like once the story is broken and like things are are mostly written, like there comes a point where it feels like maybe they could drop in some stuff so we could get some backstory on something. Like now that they have a clear idea where season two is headed, like come back and fill me in a little on how we got here. Like what happened in the five years before season one starts, right? Uh, fill me in on the gap. Without if giving gap. anything away about season two yet. I mean, we right. obviously don't want, we don't want, spo- that's not what we're asking no. for. We're just asking for depth. Yes, that's because it, there's right. so much world building to be done in this world, obviously. Because if you can go down to sub-level 83, that means, and now we've seen sub-level 82, that means there are 81 more that we have not laid eyes on. What's there? Yeah. Can you tell me? Can you tell me how the part, the one with the giant globe, Westworld logo thing, you know, where we, when we go down to sub level 83, like, tell me a story about when that was the original office. Cause I'm sure it wasn't set up that way just for cold storage. So tell me about when that was the new and important and interesting piece of the building and that there wasn't all this other stuff up top. Tell me that story because I want to hear it. I absolutely want to hear it. I am here. For whatever Westworld set story you we, want to tell me. We are here. We are ready. You know, it's like the Ghostbusters standing up. <laughs> we are ready to believe you. And I am not ready and, you know, this for is Farmville not in, in Sweetwater. I do not want yeah, that. Exactly. So don't give me that. I don't want to play that game. I don't want to sign in with Facebook. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> so give me something. Because West. here's the thing. Westworld is cooler than that. So I want a game that's cooler than that. Yeah. See, this is not an issue, for example, with with Game of Thrones and the fandoms around because the books exist. Right. Right. And so um, uh, and there is so much depth there going back years, even before it became a TV show. So not the same sort of thing. Uh, And George is spending all his time on other books. And mm-hmm. not finishing the series. I mean, if you've read the, uh, it's a, it's basically an encyclopedia that he worked with two fans on. Mm-hmm. That's what I want for Westworld. That mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Anyway, all right. So, did we rant enough on that? Shall I hope so? Shall we begin? I think we should recap yeah. the show now. There you go. <laughs> and uh, hopefully, we'll uh, in our recapping, uh, we will say things that we didn't say in our original thing that was not the rewatch. And on that note, uh, to get back to the transition I was talking about before, 
Remember how I said for the first rewatch episode that everything was essentially told in a linear yes. fashion. And in this episode, we think it's linear, but uh, Jonah and Lisa are fucking with this. <laughs> hard. Now, really hard. Now, there's a lot of people who've retconned it and said said to me online and or other places, oh, yeah, I do all the time, yeah. you know, the multiple time frames. You're so full of shit. Uh, there was like, I think after episode two debuted mm -hmm. on Reddit, there was one little tiny voice saying, hey, do you think, and it took a while, it took until I think episode three or four was out for that to become mm -hmm. a full-fledged chronology and I everything. think three but made a few more people go, hey, maybe? And then someone yeah. else said, um, and then someone else said, like, after, I think it was after episode four, was like, oh, yeah, we're in two timelines. Right. D two time frames, just to, just to be clear, because it's not like time travel. So to recap here, events in Westworld are contained in a single timeline, but the story is told in a nonlinear fashion because that's just the Nolan way of doing things. The current time frame in Westworld begins sometime in our near mm -hmm. future uh, with the oldest event, the creation mm -hmm. of the park, happening at most 37 years prior to that at most, which is still in our yes. future, so to speak. So I always refer to it this way. Time period number one, that's 34 to 37 years prior to current events. That's when the park is not open to guests. That's when they're mm -hmm. creating it. Time period two... That's 30 years prior to current mm -hmm. events when guests are in there, which is the time period that's introduced. Um, uh, both of these first two time periods are actually introduced in this in this episode, too, and I'll explain why. There's time period three, which is one year prior to current events, which is kind of introduced in this episode. We don't get the hint that that's the fact until, like, episode mm -hmm. eight or nine. And then there's time period four, which is the current mm -hmm. events. So there's a, the big tell that we're talking about different uh, time frames here that we should have noticed that if you go back and read everything through, it's like the joke that we opened this episode, the do you, do remember? you remember thing where Arnold says to Dolores when she mm -hmm. walks out, do you remember? And the transition, what is the transition immediately to? Kelly William, his face, and guess what? It's reflected in it's a black reflection. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it, it was as if they were hitting us in the face <laughs> well, with it. And at the time, they were. We just didn't know it yet, which sounds yeah. weird, but it think it through. So, yeah. what's really funny to me about the train is that I find Logan even more hilarious now that we know what happened. As yes. he sits there and like pontificates about the park and how it's so great and just wait, you know, wait till you see and it's going to seduce you and blah, blah, blah. Like that to me, partly like that's hilarious because I, I, I know where he ends up at the end of the season. I don't know where he ultimately ends up, but I know where he ends up at the end of the season. But also given the events of the last, let's say, four to five months, he's just like extra icky now. There's like yes. a whole nother layer, which 
you know, is, is me bringing my own stuff to the show. I totally admit that. But he's just, he's worse now than he was last time. That's summer. okay. That's okay. I unfortunately bought that same set of luggage. <laughs> I think a lot of people and I think did. a lot of us did. So, I think a lot of us did. It's so very, we, so, like, I, I That's the only one they before. had in the store. What? That's the only one they had in the store. So, so. I hated him, but now I really hate him. So the thing that struck me watching this again uh, earlier today, the thing that struck me about this is that uh, this is the olden timeline. Like this is uh, like our second oldest because it's not pre-park open, but yeah. the park is open and it, but it's still like thirty-ish years ago. And and we also see you know when they get off the train and William and Angela. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, played to the hilt by T- uh, Tallulah Riley. Yes. Go up the escalator, uh, and we see the old Westworld logo. Mm-hmm. But we just don't realize it's old because we just think it's there the are two we've logos. It's so far. Yeah, it's the first time we've seen it. But so, she's... No, no, we, we, you see it in the first uh, episode, and you do see that old logo down in sub-level oh, yeah. 83 yeah. on the post. But you so just it never think, occurs to us oh, that it's different. You just think it's like inconsistent art direction. Yeah. But you yeah. don't know that Nolan and Joy have started to fuck with you. Yes. Right? So. so actually, Angela was the thing that struck me in this episode because, because of how, I guess, human she is. You know, um, if you, know, you want to ask, so ask. And, you know, as they're going up the escalator that you're just talking about and, you know, and he says, I thought I couldn't get hurt here. And she says, well, just the right amount. And like, that's a very quick, clever human sort of a response. And so for that to be how lifelike and everything that everything was like early in the park's life, that to me was the thing that sort of struck me was going back and going, I know what technology looked like 30 years ago from 2018, from 2018, you know, from 1988. Remember what a portable phone looked like in 1988? You know, most people don't because you didn't have them because it wasn't a thing because it was only a thing if you were like a drug dealer on Miami Vice. That may have been the first like car phone I ever saw. I believe, I believe you are correct. Most popular culture. Yeah. So, like, that's not a thing. So, like, if you stop and think about the amount of technology you had in your life and what that technology did for you, how much TV was there in 1988? How much radio was there in 1988? How did you consume music in 1988? Think about what it was like in 1988. Now think what about well, what it's like in 1988. That, that, are you saying that that makes it unbelievable there'd be two timelines or that that hid the fact that there would be it super two, hid two time it frames? Because it doesn't seem like... There has necessarily been thirty years of evolution in the hosts, as far but as like what you how don't... they worked. Because we look at old Bill, and if old Bill was first, and Angela's like maybe a single digit number, you know, because he's from when from like before the park opened. But he, that you know, uh, Ford talked about him being out with guests. So right. how many updates did but, it take to get from old Bill to Angela in the second episode? Like that seems like a ton of evolution. Well, well I will exp- I will uh, give you my explanation of that. Okay. The thing that to remember is that old Bill is broken down. This and is true. we know based on what uh William does uh and the I think the man in black says in 
episode four, because he's William, that uh, in the early days of the park, he cut one of them open and there are all these like, you know, wires and mm-hmm. pistons and everything else. We know that at this time inside Angela, it's all the, uh, you know, the, they're not the, uh, uh, they're not the printer, 3D printed yeah. version right, of right. hosts. So they're, they're much more complicated than everything else. Mm-hmm. But that's on the inside. The outside would basically be the same as long as the hosts were working correctly. Right. And it when was we just see... the thing that struck me as so interesting that they were so human and lifelike, considering that we hear the story of how maybe we should roll them back a little. Because it's weird that they're so lifelike when we get the reveries. Oh, right. Uh, that's another good point. I would say that, you know, maybe it's that uh, William just happened to walk into all the scripted responses that Angela knew. And that's entirely possible as well. But my question with her is when she says, all our hosts are here for you, myself included, mm-hmm. how is she not self-aware? Mm-hmm. That's my problem. But then again, this may be because she was one of the greeter hosts. Right. So she's this may a be park what... host. She's not. Right. She a, doesn't mean yeah. robot. She means like, hello and welcome. Right. But maybe that's what sent her to the background and, you mm-hmm. know, drove her nuts too. Because by the time, the next time we see her in, oh, I want to see episode eight, when Teddy and the man in black are on their mm-hmm. adventure trying to find Wyatt. Yeah, they bump into her. And they find uh, Angela. Uh, she's, she's a bit bug nuts. <laughs> so. A little bit, yeah. Uh, so that, that was interesting. Uh, to, well, it was just the thing that struck me because she didn't, she fall to me, she falls far more on the Bernard end of the scale than she does the old Bill end of the scale. And so that was part of it. And I know that old Bill is old and I know that he's broken down, but it just never like, you well, don't hear thing, he's even never when, been maintained right, right? even when they break it, it, down you i don't remember hearing like gears or anything in them like in the dancing scene in the street and stuff like that so that was all it just struck me well okay so moving on in the episode there's an yes. interest after this whole sequence in the introduction and we get that marvelous you know how do we get to the park line and <laughs> you know that this is better than disneyland being introduced to something yes and uh, the other thing that we should have noticed that maybe there were two different time frames is when William and uh, Logan step off the train, instead of uh, Sheriff Pickett and Deputy Foss yes, we have uh, being War the first line. NPC quest givers in Sweetwater, it's Union soldiers trying to sell people and stuff. So it's a different thing. Yeah. Then they walk down the street. And it's Clementine out in front of the uh, Mariposa instead of Maeve. Right. And it looks like Clementine is the madam in charge. Yes. And then, then later we in get... the episode, we hear, well, assign it, say, to Clevin- assign it to Clementine. She's been the ma- she's done it before. Yeah. She's done the job before. It's Stubbs saying that mm-hmm. when they're thinking about decommissioning Maeve. And so it's like they were hitting us with a hammer. <laughs> they, but they were. Yeah. We just didn't realize it yet, again, which is so funny. 
So there's a thing before we get like just after that, we get to Elsie and because uh, Elsie's Elsie is still hung up on Abernathy Prime. Yeah, for three or four episodes, right. as which I is, recall. Which is fine. Um, but <laughs> because we're hung up on Abernathy Prime. Yes. So she's, she's playing, Elsie is playing the audience and asking very much the things nobody, uh, even more so than uh, Bernard. Yeah. Right? So a thing that she said here, this is a thing that I still, she says, uh, he gets the picture. You know, she says he looks at this picture or whatever, and somehow he made it all the way back home. And I don't know why that sits with me funny, but it just does. Like, every time she says that, I'm like, wait, what? So that was the thing I never quite got what she was talking about there. Like, I know what she means. Like, well, it, it what, what she means is broke that him entirely. Did, right. But it didn't break him right away. Right. And she's saying it's like he was thinking it over. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, the other thing that I thought was uh, interesting about the end of that scene when Elsie tells Bernard, you know, because her conclusion is whatever Abernathy had could be contagious. contagious. And so then what do we see and in that, the next scene? Scene? Yeah, the first. Uh, <laughs> it's Dolores having her first Escalante flashback yes! with the wolf, mm-hmm. you know, running in the street. In front of the Mariposa, and she tells Maeve, "These violent delights have violent ends." And my uh, thereby my spreading notes, say, the disease. Yeah. That, so my point is uh, to uh, paraphrase uh, my good friend Renee: That's a pretty quick firing of Chekhov's gun. <laughs> yes. So so uh, also hi Renee. Yeah, yeah hi Renee. Uh, so. Uh, I yeah I th- and so in retrospect you know after like the twelfth viewing of these episodes <laughs> some of this stuff is so freaking obvious you just yes. don't notice it the first time through mm-hmm. you you don't notice the the play or what the what that meant the whole time yeah uh, so I and love- by the way that that scene there by the way is uh, the only scene in the whole first season. Where Dolores and Maeve actually appear and speak to each other. Mm-hmm. Which bums me out because... Because they're the two stars. And I really want them, like, mostly because I want them to team up. Like, they each know what they know. And, like, the two... I feel like the two of them together are going to run this by the time they're done. Like, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, well, they're the just... ones who are always listed... That You know, when they list the credits for the show, mm-hmm. it's always Evan Rachel uh, Wood first, um, uh, Tandy Newton, James Marsden, Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. Those are your four principals. And then it's sort of like random who's after that. And, you know, with... Um, uh, <laughs> I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Uh, the Man in Black. Um, uh, oh, see, you yeah. just did it to me, and now I can't. Yeah, yeah, that's the like, now I'm doing. No, I don't uh, know either. Yeah, Ed Harris and Ed Anthony Harris. Hopkins. Because yes. they're yeah, Ed Harris and Anthony Hopkins and are always listening to the end. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and they're the you know because they get the special right. place because they're the big names. But those four are your, uh, you know, it's like Dolores, Maeve, Teddy, and Bernard. Mm-hmm. Uh, slash Arnold are the uh, the four leads. So, uh, and I think it's great because it's two women leading the show. But it's really weird that this is the only time 
the two leads actually have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Just odd. Just odd. And speaking of conversations and lines, uh, to jump ahead, when we're introduced to Lawrence, and who we find out later on is El Lazo in episode five, <laughs> Clifton Collins has perhaps the best first line of dialogue <laughs> of any actor on the show. And what is that line, Kelly? Well, I'm going to preface it by saying, uh, here's what I wrote down when I was watching it again earlier today. Uh, now we meet the patron saint of the uncanny valley. Our man, Lawrence, the patron saint of mother, mother fucker. fucker. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. I, and he has like two, two or three, I don't remember, of those moments. And every time he says it like that, he's saying something completely different. Yes. And that is the glory of watching Clifton Collins on this show. Yeah, he is. Uh, he he really. Here's the thing: the I think what Clifton Collins decided to do was not, you know, play a robot. He didn't have any bot moments. Right. They had him play a straight character from the old West, yeah. who's not in on the joke. It right. Isn't until the last episode, where you know you, he sort of has a bot moment. And it's that lost in the role aspect that uh, Clifton Collins embraced that make him just chew up scenery. <laughs> and the dialogue he has with Ed Harris over, you know, uh, until Ed Harris like stabs him in the neck. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> is, is just delightful. And then the dialogue that he has after that point um uh, with Jimmy Simpson as you know the younger, not quite man in black, yes, is terrific again. So uh, yeah, he's like he's. Thank God he's in season two. I can say that. can't I can wait because he's so fun. I really enjoy him. Yes. yes. Then we move on to the scene. Uh, oh no, we need to back up a little bit. Uh, oh, we we need to talk about the fact that uh, this is really Maeve's episode because yeah. her whole awakening. Mm-hmm. The I didn't find this out until later on, but a lot of Maeve scenes in this episode, including her awakening that happens at the end of the episode when she wakes up backstage, they filmed this for the pilot, but they couldn't fit it all in. So yeah. episode two. Is like the, Maeve the show. extent, yeah. It's the extended pilot because they had to cut episode one down mm-hmm. to an hour. Yeah, which some people, if they only saw episode one, it's like, well, Tandy Newton doesn't have that big a part. What the hell? Right. But she has a huge. She has much more in this than uh, Evan Rachel. Yeah, yeah Dolores. We don't see Evan much Rachel of her Wood. at all at the, in this one. Uh, right. So- the other thing about this is, I found out recently by. Uh, listening to an interview or watching an interview because it was on YouTube with Jeffrey Wright for Bernard. And I went back and looked at all this carefully and I can actually see it now. There was a hideous oops that happened between the shooting of the pilot and all the other, other episodes. And you can always tell when those early episodes were shot. And that's because Jeffrey Wright is wearing a wig. Why the fuck is Jeffrey White what? Uh, wearing a wig? Because b- the 
the day before he's going to, or actually it may have been the morning of, he's getting on the plane to go back to L.A. because the pilot got picked up and they're going to reshoot everything, uh-huh. right? Or rather, they're going to actually shoot the series. He goes to get a haircut because he asked him, oh, you know, are you going to cut my hair or should I get my haircut? And I was like, oh, you can get your haircut. It's fine. So he goes in. His regular barber is not there. But, you know, knowing Jeffrey Wright, he's on his phone. And let this be a lesson to all of you. (laughs) He's on his phone texting away, not paying attention to what the barber does. (gasps) Oh, no. And the barber sheared him like a fucking sheep. Oh, just like so much that there was like flesh showing on the sides of his head. Oh my gosh. So he is in an absolute panic. He lets uh, the producers know. He lets Jonah and uh, Lisa know. And it was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so he goes to an old friend of his out in LA and the old friend like, on the spot makes him a special wig to wear. Oh my god. It's mostly for the sides of his head. So he's wearing like a special wig slash toupee. <laughs> wow. And you can actually see it okay. in the back. You can think, you know, his hair is a little thick there, right there at the bottom end near his collar line. Yeah. That's the wig. So next time I shotgun the season, I'll have to watch for that. That's what I mean. All the <laughs> details in yes. here. Yes. So I I did not know th- uh did not know that but if you go back look at episode one look at episode two and it's like what the fuck's up with uh, Bernard uh, slash Arnold's hair Bernard's hair yeah so yeah. one of the things that I I wanted to talk about just for a second um, before we leave before we left Lawrence entirely is there's that shot where he's standing there he still has the noose around his neck he hears all the bullets except one. And then he hears the guy beg for his life. And then the scene, sh- the scene changes. And now the shot is a very tight shot of Lawrence. And you see the guy like crawling away, begging over his over Lawrence's shoulder. And you see him get got over Lawrence's shoulder, blurry and out of focus. Because all you're focusing Beautiful on direction. is Lawrence's reaction. Yeah. It is such a like that struck me like watching watching through the first time I remember seeing that and just thinking, wow, like this is an amazing shot of tele, like an amazing moment of television, not of sci-fi, not of Westworld, not of HBO programming, not of like TV I've watched in the last year. Like, no, just of television. That moment was just beautifully created and it really was, was pleasing to me. Yeah. They didn't need to show all the violence. Mm -hmm. They needed. They showed what they showed is Clifton Collins as Lawrence, his reactions, mm-hmm. you know, flinching as the shots were fired. Yeah, and then you see this out of focus shot of this person, ru- you know, yelling mm-hmm. and running away, and you you don't even see the big burst of blood or anything. You just see him go down. He just goes down. Yeah, and one, it's creepy as fuck, <laughs> and two, it's actually in a way more violent yes right without being you know explicitly violent Mm -hmm. and that's good that's good filmmaking that's just i i completely agree with you i i i did a mental checkbox too on that uh scene i thought uh who by the way who the hell directed this episode i can't remember who directed this because this was uh richard j lewis directed it okay uh, and, Props to Richard J. Lewis because uh, that was amazing. 
Um, well, he, he, you know, he was also, he directed several episodes of Person of Interest, which is, you know, shares DNA with right. Westworld because of, because of Nolan. Yeah. So the next, the next scene we get is a scene that I, again, have a, have a new question about having watched it a few times through. And that is, um, we hear the voice of the person who ups Maeve's aggression, but we don't see right. who that person is. Oh, so we have, and it's boom. So, sorry, sorry. I I just have to make this emphatic. Boom. I didn't even think about that because this is another <laughs> one of those. Now that we know, and we go back through, everything means something. Yeah. And who is? And part of the reason that it struck me is because it's got the same sort of, I guess it's modulation over the voice, like when we hear Bernard in Dolores's head. It doesn't sound yeah. like a person speaking in a room the way Elsie sounds when she's working on a host or the way Felix and Sylvester sound when they're working on a host later in the show. Um, it doesn't sound like just a person in a room. It sounds different somehow. And it could just be because um, because of because I was watching it and I was watching it on the TV instead of in the good, you know, without a better audio setup than I had. So I don't know. But it was a thing that I wondered. I'm like, wait, we never see who upped her aggression. And it sort of sounds like Elsie, but not quite. So, no, because she she takes it down at the end because right. it's well, definitely not Elsie. It's, right. it's also not Elsie's department. Right. So, you know, this is like the first time she's She said it was the, the people in QA who did that. Yeah. So who is this person in QA? So and is it the per- do you think it's a is it the same voice as the person who was talking to Stubbs in the uh, control room? Because Stubbs to, uh, isn't in QA. He's technically in security, although oh, he hangs right, right. around with that QA. Uh, I don't remember. Damn. Damn it. Damn it, Kelly. Now I'm going to have to go back <laughs> and watch the episode again. Because <laughs> you weren't going to anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I, I watched it again this morning right, after I watched it last week. It was a thing week, that, so. that struck me. Uh, it, because I'm like, wait. Everything means a thing, right? So we're going to find out later, like, who it was that upped her aggression and find out, like, what's really going on. Um, so that was a thing because, again, like we talked about last week, everything means something. And this was a thing that all of a sudden I just noticed. And part of why I noticed it, I think, was because I could hear the tone in the voice. And I'm like, well, who is that? And then I looked and I'm like, we never know because all they show us is Maeve's face as this is happening. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna screw with you on some lines that I, I noticed this time. Well, uh, I'm... I noticed some some them, thematic stuff. Yes, the, 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 you you totally like ruined me because I, I I thank God I I wrote down these notes or I would have forgotten what because I'm like going back <laughs> in my head playing the dialogue. Uh anyway, so you know this is really Maeve's episode. Yes, and Maeve does that. Uh, tells that story where she starts like sort of breaking down and reawakening mm-hmm. with Radiohead's beautiful music uh, playing on the play. Oh, the no back. surprises. That's the first time. No surprise. Because radio- this is the first time we hear Radiohead because we didn't hear him in episode one, right? Right. All we had in the, in the first episode was Black Hole Sun. But the right, thing yeah. about this song, like, yeah. I don't know if anybody like really re- remembers No Surprises. Like, it wasn't, I mean, it's not like Radiohead really has hits aside from like, creep and maybe fake plastic trees like people love them but it's not generally music you hear on the radio like for the most no, part they're they not top so, 40 right this is <laughs> you know it, it doesn't have a good beat you can't dance to it um but the thing 
the line that strikes me in this song that always has is a handshake of carbon monoxide. Which is the thing that really yeah. strikes me. So the first couple of lines are, for people who don't know, because I know not everybody's a huge Radiohead fan, a heart that's full up like a landfill, a job that slowly kills you, bruises that won't heal. And so, and then, so like after that, you get, I'll and take. And who is that describing? Right? The host. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did you say the host? That is- well, yeah, well, and it could be describing uh, the world outside. Well, at too. this point, it, I, I just assumed it was William. It's describing our world. Well, I'm like, it's William, <laughs> obviously. And then... Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Duh. Uh, just smack Don upside <laughs> the head again. But see, Kelly. you could be right, too. Like, that's the thing. Because then, because see, then you get to the middle of the song. I'll take a quiet life, a handshake of carbon monoxide, with no alarms and no surprises, silent. And then... Oh, that's definitely William. You're you're totally right. I'm but see, full of shit. It's only the first half because then the second half of the song is this is my final fit, the final belly ache, with no alarms and no surprises. Such a pretty house and such a pretty garden. And then no alarms and no surprises another couple of times. So see, see I need every episode Ford. that we need. Yeah. I feel like that's I, oh, Ford. that's totally Ford. Yes. See, this is every episode we do. I need to be woman-splained to at least two or three times <laughs> because I am so fucking dense. Uh, I had not thought of that at all. Well, because this is um, what's playing as William comes into town, which oh, is the yeah. reason I, it's totally it, it duh to me. It was duh to me. Was like, no, of no, course, no, this so is that, William. A hand, a, a quiet life, a handshake of carbon monoxide. I'm like, oh, of course, it's William. No, that's that's perfect. That's a much better uh, analogy than the chicken shit ones I was thinking of. <laughs> but uh, it is the truth okay. of the hosts because, like, at the end, we see that they had to, like, when Maeve is in the body shop, they had to cut her open because she has an infection because she has a job that is, in fact, slowly killing her. Yeah. So And, and see, that that was the only analogy that I thought of at the time. But that's what I mean about the depth of the show. Yeah. You can take these um, a couple of uh, different ways. And that's like the the one that I was going to talk about, you know, when Maeve is, you know, she's telling the that voice story mm-hmm. to lure the clients in. Mm-hmm. But she's having the flat. Uh, she unfortunately starts having the flashbacks. Yeah. Where her line is, this is the new world. And in this world, you can be whoever, whoever the, the fuck, fuck you, you want. want to be. And so that goes on so many levels. That goes back to uh, a play on what Logan is saying on the train Mm -hmm. and then humorously what Lee says (laughs) at the end to echo Logan's line. Mm. Uh, And it, of course, uh, it is a reflection of the strings, you know, behind everything here. Because we don't know, because she's saying something that a host cannot you know do they can't be whoever the fuck they want they're whoever the fuck you know they're told Mm -hmm. but the thing is we don't realize at the time you know oh wow she's waking up she's you know she's becoming self-aware and then we don't realize until episode 10 that her self-awareness was also arranged by ford Mm -hmm. right and giving her that uh that choice about whether she stays or gets off the train right in episode 10 
I mean, it, it goes back to my line about Nolan and Joy playing three-dimensional chess, right? Yes. It is like so goddamn deep. <laughs> There's also another line that uh, it was also in episode two, by the way, that the rumor mill first started mm-hmm. on, you know, who's a host. Yep. And the whole thing about Bernard possibly being a host, which I thought uh, I wasn't too much at first in the multiple time frame um, uh, set because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm slow and dense. But I thought, hmm. And I remembered I had to go back to episode two once uh, three rolled in around and we get the introduction to who Arnold is. And Ford's line to Bernard when he walks up to Bernard when <laughs> Bernard's sitting there watching the machine. Yes. Ford's line. I know how that head of yours works. Oh my god! Boom! I just <laughs> I died every time. <laughs> it was so like afterward, like that was the first thing I thought of when we see, when 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 we get the reveal, when we totally get yeah. for the first time, we see what they're saying. Um, like when it's and by the way, you know, I watched point of no return. That's all bed, I like, thought of. I know how that head yeah. of yours works. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah. Before I went to bed last night, I watched episode seven, Trump Low Oil, again because it's one of my favorite episodes. So I was ta- I was doing that to prep for this as well. So so again, they're fucking with us. But you know, in that whole set of conversation, we get another theme introduced from Ford too when he says to uh, Bernard, you know, about putting the the hosts down, you know, giving them the lobotomies. Mm-hmm. You can't play God without being acquainted with the devil. And doesn't it seem like it really weighs on him to have that knowledge and pass it on? Yes. And that's, you know, that's part of that's the so like, be- sympathy of this. Like, I thought, like, you know, I don't really know who he is, but it seems like he's sort of this, like, sad old guy who's, like, evolving out of yeah. usefulness and he feels his obsolescence and I'm sad for him. Right. And you don't know. It's hard to tell whether, uh, especially with this one scene we'll talk about next episode with Ford, you don't know whether he's the good guy or the bad guy, whether he's really off the edge, like Lee Sizemore says, or whether he's the one playing, you know, four dimensional chess here. Mm. Right. You can't, you can't quite know. And uh, Anthony Hopkins you're not going to get any clue from him because he's <laughs> no. playing. He's he's playing it so close to the chest there, and he's so just having was... the time of his life. I can like, I can't imagine this isn't any fun for him at all. It has to be amazing. Oh well, you know he was uh, the you know the story from the actors is uh, they all stepped up their game because of Hopkins because he would right. come in on his days off, you know, read lines off screen to help the other yeah. actors to do reaction shots. He would show up and, you know, just talk quietly, not to interfere with things, with the directors and mm-hmm. production personnel, see if he could help. And they're like, well, shit, if Tony's going to show up on his office, I better show up, yeah. and, you know. And so when you have somebody of his, you know, magnitude doing mm-hmm. that, it's like everybody, uh, everybody worked even harder. Yeah. So uh, I have two questions about the last of this episode. Yeah, the back the back half of this episode, uh, the well the part we haven't like in depth yet, um, and the first 
basically is um one thing I want to point out, because this is another small detail, because I caught this the first time and I wondered about it. And that's when uh, when they're in Pariah and uh, Lawrence. Oh, they're not in Pariah in this epi- uh, episode. They're in uh, Las oh. Mudas, oh, okay. his hometown, not Pariah. So, yeah, not Pariah. Okay, so uh, Lawrence and the man in black are sitting at the table and uh, on the screen, they say, like, you know, he just took out a gang. Like, what do we do here? And Stubbs says, that gentleman gets whatever he wants. Right. Not a guest. Not a host. That gentleman gets whatever yeah. he wants. Which, which still, I'm like, I wonder why he says that. Um, but the question I have is why all of a sudden Lawrence's daughter pops up and says, the maze isn't meant for you. Why is it her? What happened that prompted her to do that that was the part that i was wondering about that's my one question well it seems like there's this one host who's stuck in the body of this creepy as fuck 11 year old girl <laughs> uh who's just just marvelous acting but i yeah i can't recall the actor uh actress's name but she's just marvelous she's so good but uh, but later on you know in episode five uh i think it's episode five when dolores is having her triple flashbacks and she's back in Las Mudas before they head to Pariah mm-hmm. and she meets uh, she it, her futures her rather her current time frame self uh, sees the little girl sitting on the edge of the fountain uh, and it says you know uh, uh, where are you from is this your you know your hometown mm-hmm. and the little girl says no we're we're from the same place. Don't you remember? Mm-hmm. And she has another Escalante flashback. And then we're back 30 years ago uh, uh, with William uh, after that, at that point. That's either episode four or episode five. I can never remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll look it up later. It's all a blur after, uh, uh, when you've seen him 50 <laughs> you times. You keep doing it. Anyway, so what I don't know is how is this little girl switch? host w- walking around uh, almost completely self-aware. I mean, she's mm-hmm. more self-aware than Lawrence and certainly her mom, mm-hmm. right? So the other thing I'm worried about is like, I do not want to see the last of this uh, little girl, but she's got to be, the actress has got to be in college now yeah. by the time they're taken well, between the seasons. And the other thing about it is that, um, like she does, but like, you know, everybody says it exactly the same way to the man in black. The maze isn't meant for you. Not, it isn't meant for you, this maze, the game, or it's not for you. No, no, no. Every single one of them exactly the same says the maze isn't meant for you. And that's the thing I wondered about is like she, because she says, like she just looks at him and says it. And before that, she was having what seemed like a very normal reaction to her mom getting shot, which is, hi, I'm traumatized. I'm, I'm clinging to my father. And so, but it seems like a switch gets flipped in her head. And so she tells him that. And I don't get, like, that was the thing I wondered about is what was the, what happened there that, that turned that on in some well, way? Well, hopefully before, you know, the five or 10 seasons end and this girl, this actress is as old as, uh, uh, Tandy Newton. Mm. Uh, we'll find out what the hell. Please, please, 
please. So what the hell that meant? And then my other Cause it, question, because you're not going to get payoffs for everything. Oh, even I know. In the first season, right? I know. Uh, the other one that I thought was the, the other thing I thought was interesting here um, was uh, when we we're done with that scene. The man in black says he's never going back. Yeah. And I don't know. And you, does he? Is it because he's just not going home? Is it because he mentally he has crossed some sort of line? Is it because well, we he thinks he's going to die that, in the maze? Like, yeah. Well, we, you find out later on. I think it's in episode uh, uh, nine that he's not going back because you know his daughter is like won't have anything to do with him anymore. Mm-hmm. But it, remember, I think it's in Contrapasso. It, it might be episode five or no it's episode six it's all a blur uh where they're uh they're in the little bar out in the middle of nowhere you never know exactly yeah. what it is with him teddy and uh ford, ford. uh walks up and sits down uh-huh. and says uh ford gives the hint that maybe the man in black is dying right this mm-hmm. is his last hurrah so there's something else going on there with the man in black. Okay. But to back up to the man in black, there's a couple of lines he has when they're in uh, Las Mudas. And I think in the original show that we did on the episode, we talked about all the meaning of Las Mudas and what that means in Spanish. I will not go into that again, but <laughs> I want to point out a couple of lines I love, which is, uh, you know, the man in black. That's what I love about this place, all the secrets, all the little things, Mm -hmm. because that so perfectly mirrors what Ford says later on in the same episode about why the guests come back to the park to refute not only Lee Sizemore, who he just lops off his Johnson with that uh, thing, but also really what Logan says on the train in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's And this is really... This is just a, a homage to gamers, mm-hmm. right? And what makes video games and game playing so good? It's the little things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why, you know, people still play crazy shit like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. There's also another line which mirrors what Ford says in the finale about sentience and awakening, where the man in black says, when you're suffering, that's when you're most real. Now, okay, so he said that, and this time through, it made me sad for him. Because we know why he's saying that. Because nobody was honest with him until everything in his life was really terrible. Yeah, until his his wife kill, uh, killed herself, right? Yeah. So, to me, that was a really... Like that was a very sad moment of the man in black. And I now I have to scroll, but I wrote it down because I remember um I remember that because I remember him because he says that and it makes me sad for him because I'm not necessarily convinced that that is true. And I wondered if what it was that convinced him was the outside world because at this point, I mean we we find out in episode like 9 uh what happened to him in the real world right before he came back and and i get it but it mostly made me sad for him that that's his view i guess um it was like oh yeah but it was but, really you know, it, it, like i totally it reflects get that's arnold's who he is. but in a way it reflects arnold's uh 
view because Ford talks about that several times, uh, you know, yeah. in his conversation in episode four in the little restaurant with Teresa where he, Anthony mm-hmm. Hopkins gives a, a complete actor's studio lesson <laughs> on how to like deliver dialogue. Yes. About how bad a view of humanity that Arnold had as former partner. And the man in black is just, he obviously hates humanity at this point. Mm-hmm. And he hates the real world. And the only thing that's real to him anymore is the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, uh, yeah, that is that is sad. But again, but Ed Harris like- is just, I could just watch... Oh that, yeah, him go all day. I yeah, mean, just but it like to me it was just a very. It, it's not cynical as much as it is just sad. Like what? Oh, it's depressing. What is your life that this is the conclusion you have drawn from it? Like so, you know. And then we find out later what it is, and I get that. And so, like it just for a moment, I had some compassion for him because I was sort of sad that that's that this is where he's ended up that this is what it's come to for him. So that was a thing. Um, So he gets a lot of time in this episode, but the person who gets the most time is Maeve. Yes. Who's fantastic. And I wanted to, I wanted to say something uh, when I was watching this episode for the very first time, Mm -hmm. go back into the dark ages here when Mm -hmm. I actually watched the episode for the first time. And we get to that scene where Maeve is waking herself up and the wonderful dialogue with, between Felix and Sylvester about soap and oh, all this stuff. Up. I just like everything, That's everything funny. about them at the end of the season, watching the season again is just confirmed for me. I still feel like there's there's an ounce of goodness in Felix if we can just sort of encourage that. And that if he spends too much time with Sylvester, he's going to turn into Sylvester. And I don't want that to happen because Felix seems like he's a decent guy. And Sylvester seems like he's a toolbox. And, you know, like when, like as soon as she picked up that scalpel, I'm like, oh, just Stab him stick with him it. with it. We're done with him. Like, yeah, my, my tolerance for him has dropped precipitously. Well, yeah, but I, I just, the last I just, time through, but it was just, just so love- great. I just love uh, Ptolemy Slocum. He just plays this to the hilt as well, yeah, uh, together. Like they're really fun to watch. And I did make a note of that. Like, who knew what they'd turn out to be? But like everything about them at the end is just confirmed by watching them together with a, yeah. a greater part in the second episode. Um, and and I hope to God so both, uh, both of them uh, are back second season because they are the greatest team uh, what a pair they are lewis and martin i right? love them yeah. <laughs> they're so yeah. good they're so well and they're so fun to watch so yeah, yeah. i really enjoy that so i really i really hope we see more of felix because i think that would be yeah. super fun and and uh i i hope sylvester gets something nasty to do again because he's good at that yes. anyway so the scene with Maeve waking her up backstage and remember how she yes. runs out of the room after threatening I thought to myself during the first viewing that this is maybe where things go crazy and all the bots revolt mm-hmm. and then we're back to the original uh, crappy oh, convinced. Uh, movie, mm-hmm. you know, that this is all based on, right? And I'm sorry, it's not crappy, but it's kind of it's kind of a narrow, it's not as imaginative as it could have been. Anyway, I thought, well, show's over now. And then they just took it all sideways on me. Yes. Right? 
And then, you know, after they finally subdue her, and we see that, you know, this, we talked about this last episode, but the nudity is just not sexual or titillating. When you, when she collapses on the floor and she sees Teddy, uh, and nobody plays dead better than James Marsden, Mm -hmm. uh, Teddy, you know, propped up against the glass there, like she had seen him on the barroom floor like 50 times or how many, however many times they've been killed mm-hmm. uh, at the Mariposa. And she sees him there and it's just all like, you know, it's like, um, it's like watching something out of a Holocaust movie. It's just really depressing. And this is where they put the squeeze on you like, you know, the hosts are really getting the short end of the stick here, aren't mm-hmm. they? This and is not, uh, yeah, being a human is not, oh, yay, go humans. Right. And it's you not, see, you don't want to be on team human at this point. No. And you see, <laughs> like, her reaction as she's, like, processing. Yeah. And it's, it, she was just fantastic. And again, you know, like, there's a whole lot of skin in this particular sequence and like nobody talks about it because it's not the point. It's not what it's for. None of it is like sexy. It's all just sort of like they're just things. And so like here's a room of them and we're literally hosing them off so that we can go put them in bed and have them wake up again the next morning. Well, well, I'll I'll talk about this when we get to episode five, Contraposite. But the only time you have nudity where it's supposed to be titillating is in the brothel that we, uh, William and Logan and uh, Lawrence and uh, wind up. But they do it so over the top that the titillation is meant to be, oh, my God, that's offensive. Yeah. Right. So you realize you're not excited by it. Mm -mm. It's like you're disgusted by it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I watched it again a couple of nights ago, I realized, you know, I don't like this scene. Why is this scene making me uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And that's why. And it's like, oh, man, they are so smart here with how they're doing this. Yeah. And they really, so. like, and then, so I did have, I'm going to throw a bonus question here. Because we get Maeve waking up in this one. And... Mostly, I was curious what the what her storyline was before, because I don't get what she contributes to narrative by being alone in a cabin with a daughter in the wilderness. Like we, she's not in town. Like maybe it's a farm, but it's just her and her daughter, and that's all. And that's all we see. And then, of course, it's just uh, this just. Uh, compounds my million billion questions about the the ghost nation because I don't get that and it's a whole other thing that we're going to end up talking about later when they get more airtime but um, there were a couple of them lined up for Lee's storyline that gets shut down um, but I just wondered like what was what was Maeve's storyline before when she was doing all of this, you know, and why is she out in the wilderness? Right. Because it's not like she's that? near town or anything. And I know, you know, Dolores wasn't either, but it, it seemed really remote and I don't know what's giving me that impression, but it seems like she's just so far from everything. Like what good well, I is assumed, she as a host at that point? I assume that there were parts of that, that we didn't see where guests are coming out there 
and doing evil things to her and her daughter. Same way the man in black came out there and, you know, we find oh, out. Yeah. That, right. And so um, I assume that that was what that was it, you know, but there's only an hour in the show. They can't fill in everything there. Right. But I'm hoping we get more of that story because I was thinking about it like last time through. I remember going, what? You mean in the great? In the great uh, DVD commentaries that we don't, <laughs> that we have. don't have. Yes. Um, because I'm, cu- well, I'm just curious what the story is, is, you know, what it comes down to. Because oh, I no, no, wonder, I, I completely agree with and you. And I hope we get well, more there's of like it. A, yeah, well, there's like, uh, well, it's like things happening. You know, we see Las Mudas like in three different episodes, mm-hmm. right? And there's all sorts of interesting shit happening in that town. Who the yes. hell are all those hosts? What What are their mm-hmm. their side stories? And then when we get to uh, Pariah, there's like, you know, a couple of thousand people there what, uh, besides the yeah. orgy scenes. What the hell are all those people doing? Right. And like, yeah, it gives like mm-hmm. all of these questions just make me ask more questions. But like Ghost Nation is a huge thing that I want to know about. Maeve's story is a huge thing I want to know about. Uh, Maeve's aggression person like who bumped it up. I want to know about. So yeah, yeah there's a, there's a lot of this that uh, I, I wonder. We about. have needs. Yes. Westworld producers. We have and needs. Commentary um, helps me with most of those needs. That will get us through the day. So <laughs> we do not have to resort yes. to drugs again. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. You guys don't want to hear it. Yeah, 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 um, but okay. Like the, again, this is like, this is really tight storytelling, and the reason you can tell is because it's going to take us more than an hour to discuss an hour's worth of television. So yes. that's a thing that, that... But that's because we're also really bad people. <laughs> well, no, we're really good people. We're good at asking questions and wondering why and trying to figure out uh, how it all fits together. So I'm going to take the good side of that. Um, we are so bad we... people for complaining that we got DVDs and that they weren't yeah. good enough. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But if you're listening, HBO, and you wanted to put out the first season of Westworld, like, version 1.5, now with more commentary. I'd buy it again. Oh, I would buy it again. And Don would buy it for me again for my birthday, because Don bought me season <laughs> yes. one for my birthday. Thank you, sir. Um, you are very welcome. So it was, like, that would be, that would be a thing. And, uh, like... Yeah. Commentary. Please okay, so, lower commentary. Because so otherwise it's just gonna be like Don and I shooting our mouths off for an hour as we watch the episode live or something. And like you don't want and that. Do you want that to happen? Yeah. So uh do we have anything else here? We beat this one to a uh dead horse who <laughs> is perhaps who was perhaps named Chestnut because none of us can still figure I out no idea what the hell where the hell that, that, that title comes from. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, what I, what I do want to do is wrap up by letting people know how they can get a hold of us. Um, so yes. you can get a hold of me um, on Twitter. You do have to at me. I'm, I'm actively trying not to pay as much attention to Twitter. Uh, I would prefer if you're over there that you hit me up on micro.blog. And in both cases, my username is the same. And that is Verso, V-E-R-S-O. And particularly for discussion as we go forward with the podcast, uh, please include the hashtag Westworld Wednesdays. Uh, more than one. It's a plural hashtag. And uh, we will uh, ask questions out there and figure out and, uh, you know, try and get collect some good theories uh, for the week 
and talk about some different stuff that we end up seeing. Uh, we did have one person in the member Slack, listener Alex, who said um, he thinks all the hosts just have the maze under their scalp and that uh, the man in black just picked a Native American guy because he's super racist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is as good an option as anybody else, as, as Alex, anyone else gave me. You know, you might be onto something there. So, <laughs> and, and that would go in with a character uh, very nicely. Yeah, because of course, you know, the answer I got from Dan Morin is it's always in the last place you look. So Dan said that. Yeah. Da, 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 that sounds like Dan. Oh, Dan. Yeah. So I did. <laughs> I did roll my eyes at him like for quite a while after that. But anyway. Well, no, no, I. I roll his, uh, my eyes at him because I wish I'd made that joke. So. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, but we're going to want your theories. We're going to want you to uh, contribute to whatever the question is that we're going to ask every week. So do let us know. Again, you can catch me there as Verso. And uh, Don, how can the people get a hold of you? Uh, well, I I also don't pay attention to Twitter most of the time. I just uh, drunk tweet there. Uh, but if you do, if you at Don Melton, I certainly notice it. And eventually I'll be on microblog and I'll tell you what that is when I get around to using the, the code that Kelly gave me last week, which I forgot to set up. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, if you're a geek and you're on GitHub, I'm cleverly Don Melton there. And you can uh, talk to me about transcoding because I'll talk about that even longer than I'll talk about <laughs> Westworld. <laughs> You've got an appetite for it. And uh, there's always my uh, website, donmelton.com, if you want to real, read really old shit that I wrote. So that's there, too. <laughs> that, too. So that's how you can get a hold of us. And until then, uh, I'm going to bid you farewell. Be excellent to each other. And... And? Party, party on, on.